We're on part four of our freedom series. I hope if you've been coming through this, I, I hope you understand my heart that this is like, I don't want the responsibility to tell you what kind of car to buy. I hope you know, as a pastor, I don't care. Get a car that your butt fits in. Get a car that you like to drive. Buy a house that makes you be able to lay down at night and go to sleep and be comfortable with it. Amen. I'm not going to tell you what kind of car to buy. That's foolishness. What I do want you to be is free in the area of finances. I just don't want you to be burdened by it. It seems kind of foolish to pray to a God to forgive us of our sins and set us free only to be burdened and in bondage to something else. So that's what we've been talking about. This isn't micromanaging. This isn't the church telling you what you should do as far as what kind of clothes to buy or what kind of house to buy. That's silly. But I believe God wants to set us free from the bondage of persistent debt. Amen? And for us to live free lives. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to go back in the Old Testament and talk about how God was setting it up for his people after they left Egypt. Are you ready? Come on, stand to your feet. Deuteronomy chapter 15. You can read it on the screen. You can find it in the Bible app. You can find it in a regular paper Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 15, we'll start in verse one. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor, his brother, because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Of a foreigner, you may exact it. Marylanders. Or Virginia. So... He says, of a foreigner, you may exact it, but whatever of yours is with your brother, your hand shall release. But there will be no poor among you. Somebody say, amen. For the Lord will bless you in the land that the, that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. If among you, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And you say, well, the seventh year, The year of release is near. And your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cried to the Lord against you and you be guilty of sin. You shall give him to him freely and your heart shall not be grudgingly when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, You shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year shall let him go free. 
And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor and out of your wine press. As the Lord, your God has blessed you. You shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord, your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day. But if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household since he is well off with you. Then you will take an awe and put it through his ear into the door and it shall be your slave forever. And your female slave, you shall do the same. It shall not seem hard to you when you let him go free from you for at half the cost of a hired worker. He has served you six years. So the Lord, your God will bless you in all that you do. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, you set us free to be free people in every area of our lives. And we ask you today to change our mind about finances. Lord, we pray that you'd free us up so we could bless other people. We could be a blessing to our kids' kids and our neighbors and our community and to the gospel going all over the world. We thank you that you care so much about us to set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. So the book of Deuteronomy is like a big sermon from Moses. It's like his last sermon. Moses is the guy that God picked to lead his people out of slavery. So God's people didn't start out in Egypt as slaves. There was a famine. You can go all the way back and find out the beginning of the Bible, how that worked. But there was a famine and, and they ended up in Egypt. And, but, you know, things don't go so well sometimes and that became another ruler uh, that didn't really care for him. And so they ended up being enslaved generationally. So God hears the cry of his people. You can read this in Exodus, the book of Exodus. God hears the cry of his people and, and he deems Moses, who had grown up in Egypt, a privileged Hebrew actually growing up in Egypt by, by just a miraculous display of God's providence over Moses' life. God comes to Moses. Some of you may have remember or have heard in the, in the form of a burning bush and solicits him to lead his people out of Egypt. Now, it wasn't an easy thing. The first shot he takes at it seems like a failure. And all the people kind of don't want him to do it. But he keeps obeying God. He keeps going back. There ends up being these plagues culminating in what we call the Passover. And you can go back and read about that. And God miraculously brings his people, the Israelites, out from under the bondage of Egyptian slavery. And it was brutal. Brings them out from under the bondage of Egyptian slavery. Now, now they were generational slaves. So they had never lived free before. So... Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, God is teaching them how to live now. They have, they wander around in the wilderness because of disobedience for 40 years. And Deuteronomy is Moses' last sermon to them. He is going to die before they get into the land God promised them. But God has been unbelievably faithful, unbelievably caring. He's been an unbelievable provider. He's knocked it out of the park for the last 40 years. 
he has tried to teach them when you, when you stop being travelers and when you land in this place that I'm going to give you, I need you to live a certain way. Trust me on this. I need you to have a certain type of culture. I need you to live a certain way because if you're going to be a blessed people, then you have to pay attention to what I'm telling you. And Moses' last sermon is full of this stuff. Live this way, live this way, live this way. And so they come to chapter 15 of the, of the sermon and he starts talking about this six-year cycle, seven-year cycle, really. Six years of work and then a seven-year forgiveness or rest. Six years of debt in this case and a seven-year of what we call, what they called release. That seems um, pretty consistent with the, with the rhythm that God had set up. If you go all the way back to the beginning when God created everything, the heavens and the earth and, and humans and all that stuff and the animals and the creepy crawly things. and blah, 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 blah. He created for six days and he rested on the seventh. Now God does not need to rest. God is not in the middle of Sunday afternoon going, man, a power nap would really get a whole bunch of more prayers answered. He doesn't need it. He's He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's, he's everything. He's all powerful. He, he's everywhere all the time without being tired. There is no such thing. He is in himself enough to keep going. He was before time and he will be after time. There's no break for him. There's no time where he's disconnected from you. There's no time where he is, uh, you know, off the clock. But he's still rested. So what he was doing was setting up a pattern for you and me. He was saying, look, you can't work seven days a week all the time. Matter of fact, he made it a commandment for them. Don't work one day a week. And I'll bless you for it. He knew the proclivity of man was to just keep chasing and keep chasing and keep chasing things. And he said, if I don't give them a rhythm, they'll wear themselves out. So he said, work six, work hard. So look at your neighbor and say, it's six days, you better work hard. Work hard. Seventh day, rest. Work hard six days, rest on the seventh. This was before sleep studies and, 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 and studies about how important rest was. If you work out at all, you know, rest is just as important as lifting weights. It was before all of that happened, the creator of all the universe knew that People would need rest. So we get to Deuteronomy and, and Moses is just downloading on the people. Just, just remember, live like this, live like this, live like this. And Deuteronomy 15, he says, when it comes to debt in your midst with your people, with, with the Israelites, every seven years is going to be a year of release. Forgive the debt. If somebody has indentured themselves to you, let them go the seventh year. It didn't just start in Deuteronomy. That pattern started before. But now Moses has gotten to the, here's how we deal with debt and people. Now in Exodus, God even had that six work, seventh rest for land. 
We can read in Exodus chapter 23, verse 10, for six years you shall sow your land and gather its yield. But in the seventh year shall let it rest and lie fallow that the poor of your people may eat and what they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. Now, why is that? Before there was ever an inkling of an idea of research on crop management, God had set up the perfect deal to sustain the land. Farm it for six years, and then the seventh year, don't plow it. Don't mess with it. Just let it rest on the seventh year. And then the poor people among you could come and pick from the volunteer crops that just come up. Amen? Everybody... You see the, see the pattern? Six, rest seven, six, rest seven, even for the land. He said, man, poor people come eat off of it. You let the land rest. Actually, God's promise to them was you'll have such an abundant crop on the sixth year that it will carry you over through the seventh year. And if I was a prosperity preacher, I'd say, some of you are on your sixth year. Yeah, but we're not going to do that. The double blessings come in. You can lay around, do nothing next. No, that's not. Right. That's dumb, by the way. Okay. So what happens is God's setting up this pattern. Now he makes a, Moses makes a comment that seems contradictory in the 15th chapter of Deuteronomy. He says, there will be no poor among you. Then in the same statement, he said, you're always going to have poor people. So you get the kind of, uh, you're kind of going, well, is, does the system work or not? But you have to understand what he's talking about when he's talking about poor people. God set up a system to keep people from being perpetually poor. He set up a system for his people to never be generationally poor. Because every six years the debt would be forgiven. So here's how the economy, here's how the Israelite economy was set up to work. All right. Everybody has had a rough patch. Amen. If you had a rough patch in this, in your life financially, just, just lift your hand and say, Oh yeah, I know what a rough patch looks like. Maybe it was when you first got married. Maybe it was last year. Maybe you're in the middle of it now, whatever. We've all walked through rough patches. We've all walked through, Hey, the storm came, the tree fell over, hit the house. And now what do we do? Or the kid wrecked the car, or now I've got college debt, I don't know what to do. Like, everybody has been in that. If you're young, listen closely. Maybe we can avoid it. So what would happen is, Moses was saying, there's always going to be times in Israel where people are down financially. It's just kind of how things work. Everybody's dishwasher is going to go out. We all know that's a necessity now. I mean, come on. Who washes their own dishes? Your car is going to break down. Your savings account's going to get throttled. You know, you're just going to go through it. Maybe you're going to get sick. Maybe you're going to get laid off. Something's going to happen. So God's plan was when that happens, make sure those people are taken care of. Lend them money. But we're not going to produce a society who's totally dependent on you lending them money because after you're only going to lend them enough money to get through the next so many years, however many years are left, 
And then they can, you get them back up on their feet. The expectation was that then they would go on because the debt would be forgiven to not go back into debt. It was to break the cycle. Are you following me now? So what happens even, so we got work six years off seven, plant six years off seven, borrow six years off seven. You're like, man, I could get me a big truck with a six year loan. It's not what he's talking about. These cycles even culminated in a seven times seven cycle. And they called that the year of Jubilee. Now watch how this works. So you remember, plant the ground six years, take a break on the seventh. Plant six, take a break the seventh. So when seven of those cycles would come, they would call that the year of Jubilee. All right. So when you got in a rough patch, let's say you had some land, something cataclysmic happened, and you needed to borrow money, you could go to your neighbor, you could go to somebody else that had some money, and you could say, hey, listen, I will lease you my land. There was never any permanent buying of land because every 49 years, seven of these seven-year cycles, land would be returned to the original owner. Now watch. Are you still with me? Come on. We're going to do algebra in point two, but now we're just doing multiplication. So then if I was going to loan you money on land, you would calculate how many of those cycles were left in that seven or that 50 year cycle or 50 year culmination. So let's say, let's make, can we make it easy? Like, I didn't know I was going to be so pressured to add this morning. Okay, so let's say there were three cycles left, so that's 21 years. But you can only farm that land six years out of the seven, so three times six is 18. So if you were gonna, if I was gonna loan you money and there was only 21 years left until the, the year of Jubilee, I would only loan you enough money according to how many harvests. We're in that 21 years. So there's 18 harvests. So I would loan you a money on that land according to there being 18 more harvests. And then at the end of that, you would get the land back. So you say, man, that seems like, wow. That was so there was nobody in perpetual debt. God was thinking long term. Okay, you're in a tough spot. You need to lease your farm out because because something happened and you can't do it. You just got to get by. All right. But this is not going to affect your family generationally. Do you see the great links that God went through to make sure his people were out from under the burden of debt? Out from under the curse of debt? Out from under perpetual poverty? He says, there will be no poor people among you. Why? Because he says, now you see how the cycles worked? He says, listen, if there's somebody in your neighborhood that needs some money and it's on year six and you start calculating, well, the year of release is coming next year. I'm not giving them any money. They're just going to get away with it. Now he says, don't do that. Loan it to them anyway. Hmm. You ever heard the term, you ever heard the saying, like if you're going to borrow, if you're going to loan money to a friend, just go ahead and give it to them. Don't expect it back. 
God's basically saying, listen, in seven years, if you get to the sixth year and your neighbor down the street needs something, just liberally give it to him and don't even, he's, he uses the term over and over again, don't grudgingly do it because the year of release is next year and you're not going to get your money back. I'll bless you in the sixth year if you loan the money to him. So he says, if you keep doing this, you won't have any poor people among you. Then he does say, you're going to have poor people among you because people are going to go through things. But he sets up a system so nobody is perpetually poor. And the result of this is that as a nation, you won't borrow from anybody else. You will lend money to other people. It set up Israel to be a wealth magnet. How do we do our land? Man, we... We farm it six years, let it rest the seventh. It's like Chick-fil-A. I mean, you can get a chicken sandwich on Sunday, but it ain't that good. Have to get it somewhere else. I imagine the people around him are thinking, man, what are these people are crazy. And actually the whole system was genius. It was a direct tactic of God to make sure his people were blessed. And my fear is that God is always doing that type of stuff in our lives, but because it doesn't feel good and we don't understand the whole thing, we go, ah. God designed you not to be under constant pressure of debt. That's how he designed you. When he led his people out of Egypt, he set the system up so they would not be under the constant pressure of debt. So the generational debt would not burden a nation. Boy, somebody call your politician today. He set it up that way. So as the church, as the joint heirs with Christ, we were adopted in, all of us, I'm assuming most of us are not Jewish. So we were adopted into the program. Well, God's program for the Jewish people kept them out of perpetual debt. And if we're adopted into the family, we should probably be following suit. Amen. How do as the church, we convince people, Hey, you know what? This servant Jesus thing is amazing. He forgave me of my sins, but all I worry about is how to pay my bills. That's not convincing. People are looking for their burdens to be lifted. People are looking to be less stressed, not more. And so if we invite them into the church just for them to find out that we're just as stressed out as them, how does that even make any sense? So he says, here's the plan. The plan is not that you never have any debt. It's not that you, it's that you don't stay in it. Say amen. You don't stay in it. That's not the way God designed us. Rest is an important part of working. He's established the whole system. Now listen to me. Rest cannot, real rest cannot happen when we are burdened with debt. Can't happen. If you're always, I'm not talking about Netflix. You can shut that thing off tomorrow. I'm talking about if you are waking up every day trying to figure out how to pay the minimum on a credit card bill, you'll never rest. It's set up to perpetually keep you in debt. You'll never have a restful night's sleep trying to figure out how to just stay in it. God wants to set you free. 
So he designed us to be in rest in his presence. The debt of sin will keep you from the rest and financial debt will keep you from rest. If he wants to deliver you from the debt of sin, why wouldn't he want to deliver us from the financial debt that can keep us from sleeping? Philippians chapter four, verse six, seven, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Some versions say petition or supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Paul's writing to the Philippians. He said, man, when you get in it, you pray and petition God and be thankful that he hears you. And the God that created everything, the God that created the system to make you free can give you peace. Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. All of you working seven days a week. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn. F- come on. He says, listen, I'm the one set the system up. John tells us that by him all things were created and without him nothing was created. Jesus now is the God incarnate standing on the earth looking at his people going, hey, listen, if you are weary and heavy laden, come to me and learn from me. I set the system up way back in the day to keep you from being weary and heavy laden. And so if you listen to me a little bit, I can lift the burden of sin and I can lift the burden of debt. It works. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, what if we had a system where every six years you just knew it was going to get a little easier? That'd be beautiful. What if... What if as Christ followers, we were disciplined enough to set it up to where we, where we avoided persistent debt and the burden that went with it? God wants that for us. Amen? God's desire is for us to be free. At the end of every seven years, you'll grant a release. The whole economy was based on it. We went over that. But then he even said every seven years a servant had to be released. Now watch this. You, you got to understand that like we, our culture is going through this conversation about slavery here in the United States. But you can't, you can't impose what we know as slavery in the United States on, 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 on when the Bible uses the term in, in Jewish culture. So here's how it looked. If you got into a tight spot, you could indenture yourself to your neighbor. But for only six years. So at the end of that six years, it says they are to release you, but not just let you go, but bless you out of the abundance that God had given them. So out of the flocks, out of their harvest, out of, out of their abundance. Okay, you worked for me six years. I helped you out and we're good with this. And so now I'm not just going to turn you loose. I'm going to bless you. But then there's this caveat thrown in there that says, if they want to stay, how many of you know it already looks different if they want to stay? He said, listen, if it's been so good there, if you love that family so much, if you were better off with them than you could be on your own, fine, stay with them. Your life will be blessed. 
So it wasn't, when you see the word slave, it wasn't the, it wasn't the idea of slavery that we know today. It was, it was the God's design. Hey, you're going through a tough spot. I got a field you can work in. Let's, let's, let's make an agreement. And we know that at the end of six years, this thing's going to be over and you'll have a choice to leave. And by the way, if you leave, I'm going to bless you. Because Moses also includes in there, hey, listen, remember, if they came and worked for you, you got it half price. You didn't have to pay somebody to come and work. They worked for you and you got the deal out of it. So what's God doing? He's keeping people from being in perpetual slavery and perpetual debt. His system is designed for you to be free. Free. It's the way the whole thing is set up for you to be free. So here we are. Moses tells them, if you follow my, if you follow God's design, he says, verse four, but there will be no poor among you for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today. He says, if you will just strictly obey it. Determining to live free the way God intended and living according to his instruction will produce blessing in your life. All right, we're getting ready to get real practical. You ready? You got your note taker out? Say amen. Practicality right here. Here we go. If you are going to become financially free, you have to discipline your desires. Because a budget does not stop you from spending money. It ain't stopped me. A budget is a plan, and that's great. But until we discipline ourselves, a budget is an idea. And I'm sure if you're like me, you've written down a whole lot of ideas over your life. How many of them have you disciplined yourself enough to adhere to? I said this in the first service. Restless desires produce restlessness. Restless desires produce restlessness. First Corinthians 9, 27, Paul wrote it like this. He said, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He's saying the church cannot go outside these walls and tell people, man, God has set me free, set me free, set me free. And then the next word say, I don't know how to get out from under this debt. I can't sleep at night because the bill collector is calling. And people are going, oh, what did he set you free from? Paul says, if I don't discipline myself, I disqualify my testimony. So we have to live disciplined lives. Now, listen, the whole thing's set up for you not to be disciplined. Trust me on this. We make a budget and then I go to Lowe's. I've already told you I got a weakness and they put the tool I've been looking at for the last two months, trying to, you know, get behind me, say, get behind me, say, get behind me, say, and then they put it out front with a 10% off marker on it. And I'm like, I'm giving in today. I don't even care. Yeah. And then, I, and then I realize. um, we go to Kohl's. Anybody ever go to Kohl's? I'm not, I'm not upset with Kohl's, but Kohl's got the devil in them. You ever check out at Kohl's and they go, hey, you saved $7,432,000 a day. And you're like, I bought a shirt and a pair of shoes. Yeah. I saved $7 million? It's amazing. Every time we check out there, the person at the counter is like, wow, you saved $500. I feel so good about myself. 
And then they give you that little ticket. If you come back tomorrow, you can save $8 million and we're going to give you the first $10 off. <laughs> really? And then I know as soon as I walk out there, like, Hey man, jack the price. This idiot's coming back tomorrow. Jack it up a little bit. We gave him $10 off. We got to get that back. And he's going to save 9 million tomorrow. Keep him coming. Keep him coming. Listen, I have no problem with buying clothes and shoes and all that type of stuff. I'm saying there's nobody going to discipline you except you. God is not going to come down and, and, and stick his finger in your face and say, you can't. God loves you too much. But he sets up the principles in your life for you to be as free as a human being could possibly live in the middle of his graciousness to us. And he says, listen, it requires us to discipline ourselves. So just because they tell you you saved $200 didn't mean it was a good idea. By the way, you had to spend $200 to save it. And so when you go there and they say you saved the house payment, you blew your car payment. Discipline. The church should be the most disciplined people on the planet. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And so if God himself lives in us, it should produce a disciplined life. Amen? There's never an end to new things that we can obtain or desire. The key to contentment is discipline. Can we, can we rest in what we currently have? Can you rest in what you currently have? Can you lay down tonight and say, Lord, if you don't give me anything else, I got enough to get by. I got enough to be happy. I got enough to put a smile on my face. Contentment. Contentment with godliness is great gain. All right, we're very practical. You got to discipline yourself. If you make a budget, but you're not disciplined, it's just an idea on a piece of paper. So be disciplined and pre-plan. That's budgeting. We talked about that a little bit last week. The simple act of I know what I have and I know where it's going. God set up a six-year cycle of budgeting for the Israelites. Don't count on any Return payment after six years. That's a budget. Here's the income I can count on. Here's the outflow I can count on. I can, I can factor it all in this way. So plan to pay what you've committed to. It's pointless to proclaim that we follow Jesus if we don't pay our bills. Jesus will send you a check next week. I ain't got no money. Plan to pay what you've committed to. Plan to provide for those you've made commitments to. Provide for our families. Plan to save what you can, for what you can't plan for. Plan to save for what you can't plan for. Now listen, the Lord God himself blessed me this morning in a way that I wasn't expecting. I put my first pair of pants on. I'm a little colorblind. Just to give you a little window into our life on Sunday morning. Uh, so I put up, I went, I iron, I'll iron my own clothes. So I went, I ironed my pants, ironed my shirt and um, put these nice sneakers on. My wife got me. <laughs> and, uh, and I come out dressed and I, and I went back into our bedroom. I said, Hey, what's this look like? And she said, mm, there's pants. Yeah. Not the best color combination. 
And so I've been colorblind a long time, so I don't, I don't get offended. I'm like, okay, I'll just... So I picked another pair, picked these pants out, and went and ironed these pants, put them on. Now, the other pants I got were brand new, and I hadn't worn them yet. And so these pants I've had for a couple years. I put the pants on, stuck my hand in my pocket, $7. Man, God is good. I drove straight to Dunkin' Donuts. Finding money in your pocket is not saving plan. (laughs) Leaving money around the house, hoping you won't find it, is not a saving plan. There are things that are going to happen in your life that you can't plan for, and you better have planned for them one way or another. Saving for a future is an important thing. God had a 50-year plan when it came to finances. How long are you planning for Saving is a part of honoring God and what, like God, I'm not being irresponsible for with what you've given me. I'm saving because I know things are going to pop up. I'm saving to leave my kids an inheritance. I'm saving because I know I don't want to work the rest of my life. I'm saving, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to just be crying out to you every time I'm irresponsible. I'm actually going to save to do that. Amen. Plan to save for what you can't plan for. Plan to be generous towards others. And have a plan not to be burdened by debt. If God set up an elaborate plan for his people to be free from debt, we should have one. Another practical thing is if you are going to live debt free, there are going to be seasons in your life where you have to have perseverance. Listen, this is not a fun conversation. I'm going to just be honest with you. It's it's not fun trying to get out of debt. Like... It's not fun. There is no fun to it. Man, you want to eat out today? The budget doesn't have it in there. And there's always, like, if you're single, you're your own enemy. I want to do this. And then you're like, I can't. I want to do this. I can't. I want to do this. I can't. I can't. Your friends are looking at you like, dude, are you, do we need to call a psychiatrist? What's wrong with you? I wanted to, but I couldn't. If you're married here, You know one or the other is always the one. Hey, why don't we go out to eat tonight? Budget won't let us. You're so mean. I thought we were doing this budget thing together. We were until I wanted to go out to eat. And you're just mean. You're meanie. What, don't we have a discretionary fund? Miscellaneous? Can't we just miscellaneously go to a restaurant tonight and eat something? No, it's not in the budget. Meanie? Your father's a meanie. It's not fun. I'm just being honest with you. There's things in our lives that are not fun. That's why the term perseverance is even in the dictionary. Because if it was fun, they would call it enjoyment. But it's not fun, so it's called perseverance. But I can tell you this. At the end of everything you persevere through is a blessing. That's why Paul says it's worth doing. Because perseverance produces things in your life. So, is it going to be terrible at some point in time or another? Absolutely. Getting out of debt. Always. Aren't you so excited we paid off a credit card? We got four more. Are you kidding me? I'm not excited about any of this. Been eating ramen noodles for three weeks. It's not going to be fun. But it's always worth it. 
always worth it. Perseverance. Living free from the burden of debt is always worth perseverance. It takes to accomplish. It's always worth it. Trust me on this. It's always worth it. And the last thing, the last practical thing is God wants you to kill the cycle. He wants you to kill the cycle. I need you to understand this. The whole system that God set up in the Old Testament for his people was to make sure they didn't get in a a repeating cycle of debt. They weren't living in this consistent generational cycle of debt. He wanted them to be free. He led them out of slavery into a land he promised. And the last thing that he wanted them to do was be burdened by consistent generational debt. We have to kill the cycle. Maybe say, man, my parents didn't do this. My parents didn't do that. Kill the cycle. You can kill the cycle in your generation. Be determined that you teach your kids different. Be determined if you're, if you're single right now, be determined you can break this in your generation. You don't have to live this way. God's design for his people is not a cycle of debt, freedom, debt, freedom. It was a system to keep them from being permanently burdened with debt. Listen, there's no requirement for you to go back into debt. It'd be great. Pay off your car. And then pay yourself. You could be the car financer. Sell yourself a warranty. Yeah. Hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pay myself. I get a better interest rate when I pay myself. It's called zero. I get a better deal when I pay myself. If you kill the cycle. Here's what God promises you. Real wealth is produced when we are free from the burden of debt. Real wealth is produced when we're free from the burden of debt. Living in freedom requires us to think past today, but we're past the desires of today and think long-term about life. No, I'm setting myself up so I don't have to worry about it in 10 years, so I don't have to worry about it in 20 years. I'm setting myself up for real wealth when I retire. God had not only six and seven year patterns, but he had 50 year patterns to get his people to the place where everybody around them borrowed for them. Borrowed for, he said, you will lend to the nations around you, but you won't borrow anything. Now, let me tell you something. When you get to the place where all of your friends are like, hey man, can I borrow some money? That's when you know you made it because nobody borrows money from poor people. So don't say, man, my friends always want to borrow money. Be like, yeah, my friends always want to borrow money. It's God's system. He doesn't want you to be strangled by debt. He wants you to always be borrowing from somebody else. Stand to your feet. I want to leave you at this. There's a sad part to this story, a really sad part to this story, and it's this. There's no historical documentation that Israel ever lived this way. The Bible actually says one generation after Joshua, the God that gets them into the promised land, they didn't serve God anymore. They'd forgotten. They'd set it all aside. And then the rest of Israel's history is this waffling back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But listen, if you've got kids in here just because they don't listen to you doesn't make what you say not true. 
Amen. And I told first service, I can't wait till the day where my kids are 40 and I'm sitting in their living room and I'm going to do the evil laugh. I'm going to go, you finally figured out I was right. So just because Israel didn't put it into place doesn't mean it's not right. Just because Israel didn't get it right doesn't mean that we can't. It's so it's imperative for us today. If you're in a if you're in a family that has generational just debt issues after debt issues, make up your mind through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. Just say we're breaking the cycle today. We're going to do it God's way. We're going to be free from this burden, and we are going to let wealth build in our family to the point that it affects our kids' kids, and it affects our neighbors, and it affects our community. And the church is going to change things because we're not going to be chained by a bunch of debt. Amen. Come on. I need you to give him praise. I need you to give him honor because he's got the system in place to get you out of where you are. You just got to put enough faith and trust in him to trust his way to do it. And I promise you deliverance is coming your way. Amen. Come on. Lift your voice.